Hey cuties, welcome to Mimi Said What? I am Mimi Robinson, and this is my podcast where I talk about all of the things. You know, things you and your girls talk about in your group text. No subject is off limits, and everything is unfiltered. Hey, hey, I hope you guys had an amazing Christmas. I hope it was whatever you needed and wanted it to be, but above all else, I hope it was peaceful. So, I got a funny story for you. Christmas-related, of course. So for the past couple of days, my daughter has been telling me that she's not sure if she believes in Santa. Now, what's even funnier is she believes to some degree in an extreme way, but in other parts, like she's not so sure. So uh, <laughs> I have been entertaining her questions and giving her answers and things like that. Now, she turns eight in January. So this is kind of about that age, I think, where you kind of start to call things in question. That is, if you haven't had a little asshole kid ruin it for you. That was the case for my son. So um, the day after Christmas, she asked me, how did Santa have the same wrapping paper that we have? So I told her real nonchalantly, you know, parents have to help out, right? We are the elves for Santa. He can't do everything. Um, So we help out. We wrap the gifts. Now she was content with that, but she also told me, She was like, well, I know the elves build toys all year, but what about the wrapping? What? You believe that elves build toys all year round, but you question the wrapping paper? All right, whatever. So that was the first thing. So then the next morning she came back and she was saying again, she's like, you know, I'm not sure if I believe. And I was like, okay, well, this time it's because she said when she woke up, her bedroom door was closed and her brother's bedroom door were closed um I said I didn't close the door which I didn't I'm assuming my husband their dad did but I didn't do it it wasn't me like that was the truth so I was like well have you ever heard of kids actually seeing Santa I think I saw that in a movie once and that wasn't allowed and so I kind of just left it there she seemed to be content in that regard so um I have always been a parent who has decided to continue the magic so long as the children believe um, to some degree, because when she came along, uh, her older brother, who is seven years older than her, he was obviously no longer a believer. But I explained to him that he had to believe on her behalf. Don't ruin this for her. And so we go along with it. And if you want this stuff, you're going to go along with this dog and pony show. And that's how it has been. But it's been interesting that she's come to me with questions, questions all of her own, right? Because she hasn't been in school. So it's not like someone else is putting these ideas or questions into her mind. Um, So we'll see what happens (laughs) between and now and next year. Either way, I'm fine with it. But I was really amused at just how um, far she believed and how how much she also questioned at the same time. So we'll see. Okay, so let's get into some events. So in the last episode of the podcast, I told you about some upcoming events that I had. And so now we're going to delve into those just a little bit more. So one of them was Spies in Disguise, which dropped on Christmas Day. It stars Will Smith, Tom Holland, and a bunch of other favorites. Uh, Rashida, is it Rashida? I think it's Rashida Jones, Quincy Jones' daughter. Reba McIntyre does a voice. There are a whole lot of people. And so I did an advanced screening, a press screening, And then 
I think like a few days after I took the family for a screening. But I also had the chance to sit down with my new friends, um, Troy Quain and Nick Bruno, who are the directors of Spies in Disguise. Um, the movie is a really, really cute premise, um, a spies in disguise, right? So Will Smith is the spy and he gets turned into a pigeon. It's funny. It's, um, it's a good storyline. It celebrates the weird kids. If you ever felt like you didn't belong or, you know, your child or someone, you know, felt like they didn't belong or they were ostracized because of their differences, because they weren't the cool kids um, or whatever. Like this is just a great movie because the weird kid is celebrated in a way that we don't really see in movies. And that was admirable. And it was refreshing. Like it was definitely something different. So, like I said, I had a chance to interview the directors, which I'll drop y'all the link. It was a dope chat. Um, I've done a lot of press things over the years, and sometimes your interviews can be very dry and robotic, right? Like, you might have the energy and you're asking these questions, but the person you're interviewing may be dry. These dudes were not dry at all. Like, it was so much fun. It was like chatting to my homeboys. Except for Nick is Canadian and Troy is American and maybe Asian. I believe so. Um, so, like I said, I'll drop the link in the description so you can check it out if you want. The movie is worth seeing. While this is their first directorial debut, they knocked it out of the park. And my other favorite part of the movie is the music. The soundtrack is bomb. Now, the soundtrack dropped on the 13th of December. So that's the day I interviewed them. So I have titles. So I downloaded it and the kids and I have been jamming to it. And even before I had taken them to the screening, they had already learned the words. Like it's Anderson Pock, It's some raw bass. Like it's good. It's not a really long soundtrack. It might be like seven songs or something like that, but it's good. So if you've seen it, let me know. Tell me what you thought about it. Um, I'll post to the socials. I've been doing better, y'all. I think, I feel like I have. I've been doing better. <laughs> so I'll um, post a graphic and we can chit chat about it and let me know if you've seen it. And if not, go see it, come back and chat and let me know what you think. All right, so the other event I told y'all I was gonna go to was a screening event for cats. The short answer is I didn't go. The day of the event, I was freaking exhausted. Like I was just beyond tired. Now I got dressed, right? I had a cute outfit on, went to work, all of that. And I was just like, yeah, I cannot. But my bestie went and she had the time of her life. <laughs> so it was at the um, Portrait Gallery in DC in like the atrium area for those of you who are familiar and have been. They had aerialists, they had like bomb makeup artists that would make you up like a cat. So my best friend T got her makeup done. She was sending me pictures and videos the whole night and it was bomb. Like they did a good job. So they really provided an experience. It was hosted by Xfinity, which Xfinity events are always good. The cocktails are nice and strong and the food is delicious. So um, apparently there were also a lot of drag queens in the building. Okay. Um, and they were there to serve <laughs> as they did. Now, I don't like musicals. Now I say that and I mean that wholeheartedly. I got a few exceptions. The first one is Rent, because seasons of love, what do you mean? The second one is Annie, the black Annie, not the white Annie. Um, I know all the words to the script, to the songs, to the everything. Little Cute Lips absolutely adores Annie, and she was a hard Annie addict for years. Um, and Dream Girls. 
so I was not on the Dream Girls bandwagon. I don't like bandwagon shit. Anyway, when it first came out, so it was a long time before I finally decided to watch it. Absolutely love it. Know all the words to the script and the songs and everything. But those three are it for me. And so my best friend was like, yeah, good call on you not coming because you would have been annoyed as fuck. It opens up with a song and I just don't need you to sing everything at me. Like that's too much for my spirit. Now, the reviews have been trash, y'all. Now, I'm not someone who goes and watches movies based on reviews. A lot of the movies I absolutely love probably got some trash ass reviews. So I don't let that stop me. ATL is one of my favorite fucking movies. BAPS is one of my favorite fucking movies. Baby Mama is one of my favorite fucking movies. I don't know what the reviews are. I don't give a shit. I don't need every movie I watch to have this deep plot. Bitch, sometimes I just want to fucking laugh. Girls trip. I laughed and laughed and laughed. It reminded me of the fun that my girls and I have on trips. Maybe not to such extremes as theirs. But... It was a good movie to me. I don't know what the ratings were. Now, I know it made killer money at the box office, but I don't check for reviews in that way. Now, even with that caveat, so Kevin McCarthy is a a young geeky white dude who does movie reviews on um, the local channel here in DC. It's Fox 5. It's not the regular Fox 5 everybody has. Um, I think they are like the cousin station of it or whatever. But I always like to hear what he thinks of movies, even though that's not going to be my determining factor. Well, Kevin gave Cats a zero. Now, Kevin is a movie enthusiast before he even had a career reviewing movies. So he takes this really seriously. But over the years, I've never heard him give a movie a zero. Like a zero? So my sister came over the day after Christmas. And I was like, oh, well, what did you do on Christmas Day? And she was like, I went and saw Cats. And I was just looking at her like, for real? She was like, yeah. Like when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, I still want to see it, even though everyone bashed it then. And I said, well, B, what did you think? And she was like, after 15 minutes, we walked out and asked for our money back. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. So if y'all have seen Cats, let us just know. What did you think? I feel like I probably don't really know anyone who saw it start to finish. But if you did, shout out to you. You probably the only one. But let me know what you thought. Because like I said, everybody's opinions aren't the same. And so there have been may have been some redeeming qualities in said movie that you uh, appreciate. So let us just know. All right. So the other event was a Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker screening. Yeah, I didn't go to that either. Um. I was going to go originally to take the man child because he is a Star Wars fan, but it was like two o'clock during a weekday and I'd have to jump through a lot of hoops to make it happen. And I was like, you know what? That's not a thing that Boo's going to do. So that did not happen. Um, I think that was it for my events. I don't have many lined up as of yet, but stay tuned. I'll be doing the things. Okay, so now it is Hollywood-ish and headlines. So, let's start with Miss Universe. Zosie Tunzi, also known as Miss South Africa, was crowned 2019 Miss Universe. Oh, she is stunning, okay? First of all, Miss Universe was held at the Tyler Perry Studios. Now, we talked about that a few episodes back, but how freaking magical. 
for her in particular to win Miss Universe on the Tyler Perry lot. Oh, that's dope. So dope. So she is a, a brown girl with short natural hair. And she is freaking gorgeous. Like just gorgeous. Um, so I'm going to read you a quote of just, you know, what she said when she won. So she said she grew up in a world where women who look like her. Uh, well, I grew up in a world where women who look like me with my kind of skin and my kind of hair was never considered to be beautiful. I think it is time that that stops today. I want children to look at me, see my face and want them to see their faces reflected in mine. Ah, oh, how could you not love that? Now, 2019 has been a true year of black girl magic. So now we have Miss South Africa who has taken the crown as Miss Universe. Miss America is, I think her name is Nia. And uh, we have Miss USA, who is, uh, I think her name is Chesley or something like that. Let me not butcher these women's names. Now, Miss uh, USA was also one of the top, in the top 10 for Miss Universe. And then Miss Teen USA is also a teenager. Now, all of these women are absolutely beautiful in their own right. So originally, um, Miss America, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA were all on the cover of, I don't know, maybe it was Essence. At this point, they've probably been on a few covers. And these girls have some beautiful, bouncy, curly hair. Uh, definitely proud of them all. Happy to have them all representing us. But Miss Universe was just a little bit different for me. Um, I feel like when it comes to natural hair, it's just a little bit easier um, for people to accept women with long curly hair, right? They feel like it's exotic and mysterious and bitch is hair. But <laughs> to those outside of the culture, these are kind of, you know, the ways that they kind of describe it. So for Zosie to ha not have that long curly hair, to have a short natural haircut, just made my heart smile just a little bit harder. Her cut is fly. Y'all know I am a fan of a short natural cut and she killed it. So congratulations are in order for Miss World, Miss Universe, Miss USA, Miss Team, for everybody. Like the ladies have definitely held it down with the crown in 2019. I hope to see more of that. Okay, so <laughs> another one topping the headlines, Eddie Murphy on SNL. So uh, Eddie Murphy made his return to SNL. He hadn't been on there in years. Many, 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 many years. It was their highest rated show since 2017 and about 10 million viewers tuned in to watch him host Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. I am not a Saturday Night Live type of person, but I definitely DVR'd it and my husband and I watched it, uh, watched it that night. Lizzo was the performer, which was dope. It was, that was a good pairing. And Eddie didn't hold back. I don't think he held back. There are definitely a lot of opinions and thoughts. Um, you know, people like to wax poetically about some shit and get all deep on some shit that ain't that serious. Um, so this was definitely one of those moments that they did that for. So, uh, which was nice was that he also brought out some other comedy legends <laughs> that joined him on the stage. Uh, Tracy Morgan, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and then later Kenan Thompson. Um... So Keenan, 
who was Keenan and Kel. And Keenan been in this TV game for a long, long, long time. His pockets are deep, okay? A lot of people may not know that, but yeah. He's had some skin in the game for a long time, but he is um, the longest tenured cast member on SNL. He's been on for 15 seasons. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a whole lot of money. And outside of that, like he's got a wife and kids at this point. He's got a whole lot of stuff. He does a lot of TV production. Um, and some of his money or a lot of his money is quiet, but uh, it's long and it's strong. So <laughs> one of the things Eddie said um, in opening the show was that if you would have told him that 30 years ago, he would be this boring stay at home dad and Bill Cosby would be in jail. <laughs> that even he would have took that back. Now, when I heard that, I laughed, laughed out loud, like, huh, well, and kept it pushing, right? Like, it was not that serious for me. So then he went on to say, who's America's dad now? And he started impersonating Bill Cosby's Cliff Huxtable character, <laughs> who was notoriously known as America's dad. Now, for those of you in the cheap seats, Bill Cosby um, used to be on this real, real ha-ha horse um, apparently he hasn't quite fallen from that as of yet, but he used to just go hard on comedians who cursed in their acts, who were vulgar, who were more Richard Pryor than Bill Cosby, because he felt like you didn't have to do all of that. It's comedy though. You don't get to tell somebody how to be funny. Like who, who made you the boss of funny? Sinbad is a clean comedian and that's his thing, but he doesn't go around bashing people because they aren't. It's your choice. Now, let's not forget, Bill Cosby was found guilty on aggravated, uh, indecent assault in 2018, okay? He's in jail, all right? In prison, serving three to 10 years in prison. So it's really interesting to me that he and his publicist decided to clap back to Eddie Murphy. Why though? You in prison. Let this dad attend, do his thing. Why you mad? Now, on top of that, First of all, a response was not necessary. It wasn't needed. It wasn't a whole skit about Bill Cosby. Literally, it was probably about a few seconds and that was it. Nobody dwelled on it. These fools put out this long ass statement. And I was just like, are you serious? What? Okay. Now, I'm going to read it to you so you can see how stupid this is. So the publicist, Andrew Wyatt, who I believe is also black, responds to Eddie Murphy's SNL monologue by saying, Mr. Cosby became the first black to win an Emmy for his role in I Spy. And Mr. Cosby broke color barriers in the entertainment industry so that blacks like Eddie Murphy, first of all, blacks, <laughs> you people, oh, so that blacks like Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, and others could have an opportunity to showcase their talents for many ger generations to come. It is sad that Mr. Murphy would take this glorious moment of returning to SNL and make disparaging remarks against Mr. Cosby. One would think that Mr. Murphy was given his freedom to leave the plantation so that he could make his own decisions, but he decided to sell himself back to being a Hollywood slave. Step and fetch it plus cooning equals the destruction of black men in Hollywood. Remember, Mr. Murphy, that Bill Cosby became legendary because he used comedy to humanize all races, religions, and genders. But your attacking Mr. Cop Cosby helps you embark on just becoming clickbait. Hopefully, you will be 
amenable to having a meeting of the minds conversation in order to discuss how we can use our collective platforms to enhance black people rather than bringing us all down together. What in the fuck are you saying? How we get here? It wasn't that serious. Also, who's having a meeting of the minds? Is Eddie supposed to come to prison to have a meeting with Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby's in jail, sir. What are you doing for black Hollywood, the black community, the black man and anything else? Negro, you in jail. And then the hashtags were not funny SNL, hashtag SNL, hashtag far from finish, hashtag free Bill Cosby, hashtag Bill Cosby. You have got to be shitting me. <laughs> like that's some real arrogant shit. To put that out on behalf of a man that is in jail for drugging women, allegedly. What? I don't know what kind of shit they smoking, but it must be insane. My gosh. I don't even remember if Eddie responded. Honestly, he didn't need to. He is a happy dad at 10. He had a shining and glowing moment. He killed it with Dolomite is my name. He's not hurting for shit. And I'm sure he doesn't give a shit about Bill Cosby's response. Okay, so our last headline is Kevin Hart. So Kevin Hart just released his Netflix documentary titled Kevin Hart, Don't Fuck This Up. It is a six-episode docuseries on Netflix. And um, Babe and I started watching the other night. I think we're like four episodes in. So there are two more to go. Um, It's been interesting. If you read his book, Can't Make, um, what was it called? Can't Make This Up. Um, some of this information shared in this docuseries is not new to you. So they go on to talk about his journey to how he got to, you know, where he is, his upbringing, his homeboys, um, his relationship with his dad. His dad was absent due to an addiction when he was younger, but they have managed to come back and build a relationship later on in life. They talk about the cheating scandal. Now, remember how a minute ago, when I was like, people like to wax poetically about some shit. Well, this has definitely been oh, one of those things. I've seen long posts. I've seen news articles about what people think and all of this. Now, like I said, they touch on the cheating scandal. That's probably the biggest thing that I've seen people write and comment about. Um, we'll get into that part a little bit later. So he mentions the Oscar situation of him uh, hosting and then not hosting. Now, they do not address the accident because the documentary was shot prior to the accident happening. So they didn't like go back and edit to add that part in. So if you were expecting to hear about that, that's not that. Um, so the two things that seem to be the most discussed are the cheating scandal for sure. And then the Oscars thing. So. He, the Oscars host was like a dream job for him, something, a dream he's had for years. And then he had a chance and they said, okay, he's going to be the official host. Then some people came out complaining about some old tweets from like 10 years ago where they were kind of homophobic. He was making a comment about his son playing with a dollhouse and um, they were pissed all over again. So in years, this isn't the first time that this particular tweet has come up. It came up years ago and he apologized and all of that and said, you know, he has evolved as a person. He no longer feels this way, blah, 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 blah. 
well, when it came to the Oscars, they wanted him to apologize again. And he didn't feel like he needed to keep apologizing for things um, because he had addressed them previously. So there was a whole lot of back and forth on that. People didn't feel like he was remorseful. What does remorse look like? Like, how do you determine if someone's remorseful? Um, Because they didn't use the words you want them to use or you feel like they should be down and out and they don't look down and out like you I don't know I don't know how people determine that now I know he put out like some of his own videos of saying like why he's not gonna keep apologizing um and these are one of these things that is just a double-edged sword it comes with Hollywood it comes with black people Black people are supposed to constantly apologize and overcompensate. Um, a white actor can do something foolish, even more foolish or whatever, and people give them a the slap on the hand. So back when it first happened, Nick Cannon was like, well, I think it was like Amy Schumer, um, Chelsea Lately. Like, they were a good amount of white women who also had some homophobic tweets and stuff like that. Um, but they still had specials, right? They still got to host. Their career still went on. Nobody was trying to cancel them, you know, or whatever. They weren't expected to bend over backwards to apologize. So they addressed this in the documentary. It's not really deep, though, in the way that maybe some people expected. Um, they did talk about the cheating scandal, right? So in sharing that, Iniko, his wife, um, she's talking about it and she's crying like it's some heavy shit, right? So you've relived it once publicly and now you're doing this documentary and you have to relive it again for the documentary, right? And now you have to relive it again because everyone has their opinion about what you said, how you feel, um, how you felt, how you came across, what they think went down, what went down, what whatever. Y'all. I don't have patience or the tolerance for stuff like that. Stuff like that gets on my nerves regardless of what the topic is. Um, and it doesn't have to be a topic I've related to. I mean, I don't have homophobic tweets or whatever. But when people were just going on about that, like I was I was just annoyed by it. Um, so there are a couple of things that people are ranting and raving on in particular. So in her describing what happens, she said she found out because someone sent her a video via DM on Instagram. And she was devastated, right? She was also like seven or eight months pregnant. She had a whole lot going on, whatever. So um, in the documentary, she says that uh, we've gone through it. We're past it. He's a better man now. But three strikes and you're out. She believes in second chances and she's all about forgiveness. Um, And that's kind of, you know, where they are. So long as he behaves like she don't have no problems. Now, one of the other things she said later on was that uh, I am happy that it kind of happened. I get sensitive every time I talk about it. He fucked up. This was a bad one. This was major. Nine years and I think looking forward it'll be better. People big mad about that okay because she says I'm happy that it kind of happened. Um, (laughs) Oh people so It's always easy to Sunday quarterback somebody's life based on what you see in the headlines, what you see in this documentary in this case, what you think you happen, what you read. Everyone has a strong opinion. But what if we did that to you? What if we put the spotlight on you and a camera in your face, in your relationship, in your marriage? The very strong opinions that you have about somebody else are the same strong opinions people are going to have about you only it's not going to feel good to you 
So on one hand, there's a lot of talk like, well, why does the woman always have to be so apologetic, right? Now she's the, the she, the woman is the victim in the situation in a sense was she wasn't the one that cheated. She was cheated on. Why does she have to be the bigger person? Why does she have, she doesn't. You could be whoever you want. She chose to forgive her husband and continue their marriage and relationship and make their family work. That was her choice. She didn't have to. Not everybody chooses to. Um, but then in the next light, it's like, oh, well, was she serious? She seems immature. She seems this way. She seems that. How y'all got all these opinions? The child was sitting on a sofa with a tank top on, with her hair naturally curly. Maybe she had on some real low-key makeup. Like, how did y'all get all of this stuff about this child just from watching this documentary? Ooh, y'all get real tiring and irritating sometimes. Let me tell you what I took from the documentary um, was the importance of having a solid circle, like your friendship, the people who hold you down, your accountability group. And he has that with his homeboys. And it was really, really nice to see how they hold each other accountable, um, not just for their relationships, their marriages, for their businesses or whatever. Now, at the time the cheating thing went down, his homeboys, his squad were not there to, you know, be a, help him be accountable or whatever. They weren't around. Um, but they talked about that. They talked about um, being his shoulder during the process and all of that. And that was just such a really good light um, to address, like the friendship part of it. Your circle doesn't always include your blood. Maybe it does, but not always. But a lot of us have built incredible bonds with people who feel like family or maybe even closer you're closer to than family as a result of that and so that was really refreshing to see um the other thing that really stuck out to me was his grind now I, I don't desire to grind in that kind of way it's way too much for me but it was ex inspiring in a sense of hey I have this idea hey let's make it happen now granted <laughs> he's sitting in a different position, right? The capital, the fame, all of that stuff helps. But even from the beginning, and some of this comes from reading his book, like how hard he fought to be a successful comedian is admirable. It was inspiring, right? So like we at the end of the year and I've been combing over my goals and kind of going over the year and what I want for 2020 and all of that. So and watching this documentary in particular was like right on time for me. Like, okay. Let me make sure I got my mindset together, right? Am I dreaming as big as I should be, as I could be, as I need to be or want to be? Am I allowing fear to stop me from doing things? Like, am I really going at it? Like, that was the perspective that jumped out to me the most. Um, so the friendship, the just go-getter attitude. The other thing was the relationship with his dad. I am a girl who grew up with daddy issues because my father decided to sit out on the sidelines. Now, in Kevin Hart's case, his dad was there until his parents weren't together. And then he had a drug problem and he wasn't really there. And it's like a tumultuous relationship there. But years later, his, his dad got clean and him and his brother were able to now have a relationship with, a, with their father that they never had a chance to have. And so just them addressing that and showing that. And now his children get to have a relationship with their grandfather, which was something that he never had. So that part was just really uh, heartfelt for me as well. Now, obviously, these are my takeaways. I'm not about to write about this shit. 
I said what I said and that's done. I don't believe in waxing poetically about other people's shit. I watch it. Um, I take what I got from it. And I mean, it sucks that what some people got out of it only related to the cheating scandal or whatever that he and his wife uh, went through. They're not the first. <laughs> they won't be the last. This is not a new topic. Not in Hollywood, not in everyday life, not into anything. Um, if you're interested, I say watch it and take what you will from it. But if we're friends, don't be waxing poetically about that shit. If so, block me so I don't have to see that shit. I don't want to hear you rant and rave about somebody else's relationship. Uh, whether you got a good relationship at home or not, I don't want to see all that shit. So, um, yeah, that was a lot. Again, I'll post to the socials and you can let me know what your thoughts are. Um, don't send me no long ass soliloquy. I'm not reading that shit about the documentary or what you took away from it. As always, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mimi Said What? You can follow me everywhere on social at Mimi Cute Lips. And you can follow the podcast at Mimi Said What? on Facebook and Instagram. As you continue the conversations, don't forget to use hashtag Mimi Said What? Until next time, cuties.